Somebody lift up a shout unto the Lord right now. Somebody clap your hands all over this house. And why don't you put your voice with it? Somebody lift up a shout of praise. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. We've come to magnify you on a Wednesday night. We've come to give you praise. Praise God. Praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord. One more time. Love this church. We are, we are falling in love with this church. I know um, some of you probably didn't know I was coming back. Others of you, when you heard I was coming back, you were probably excited. But when you saw that I didn't have my children, you probably was like, man, go back home. <laughs> well, we love you anyway. I'm going to do my best. Do my best without my family. They're definitely the better better side of anything I have going on and um, I am a blessed man today. I am thankful for my family. Thankful for my church. Uh, we come from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, New Life Church, pastor by Pastor Barry Sutton. God's doing great things there. Um, we had people receive the Holy Ghost Sunday. God's pouring out His Spirit. I'm sure right now they're having church and God's doing something there today. And I'm just thankful for my leadership and thankful for my church. Is anybody thankful for your pastor and his wife? Amen. And their children. What a wonderful family. What a wonderful family. Got to spend some time today with Pastor V and he is the man. Even though he likes coffee. You got to learn how to just be yourself. <laughs> Amen. I'm just glad to be here. Wonderful weekend. I felt like every service was building. I feel good about tonight. I feel like I've got a word for somebody in this house on a Wednesday night. So you're, you're in the right place. If you came for healing, you're in the right place. If you come from deliverance, you're in the right place. If you come for just a word of encouragement, you've come to the right place. God's going to meet you right where you are. And if you'll receive the word of God, then God will meet you. God will meet your need and God will change your situation. Amen. Amen. Let's get right into the word of the Lord. Very familiar passage of scripture. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We'll begin reading in verse 1. The Bible said, and it came to pass after these things, that God did tempt Abraham, said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the knife, I bet the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham and his father and said, my, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went 
both of them together. So they went both of them together. I got a word for somebody in this house. My God, my God. I want to encourage somebody today. You've come to church with a heavy heart. You've come to church with the problems of life all around you. You've come to church wondering if this would be your last service, wondering if this would be the last season. But I'm here to tell somebody and encourage you right now and just let somebody know, don't quit. I want to preach to somebody for just a couple moments. Don't quit. Just keep on climbing. Don't quit. Just keep on climbing. If you would, put your Bibles down. Let's pray all over this house. Mighty God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your provision, God. I ask that you would continue to move in this house, God. Give your people a word, oh God. I pray, oh God, that there would be an expectation in the house of the Lord. I pray, oh God, that somebody would be able to receive the word of the Lord. God, give us ears to hear, oh God. God, give us determination in our spirit that this word is going to be for us, oh God that we're going to be able to take the word, oh God, and do what you would will for us, oh God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Jesus, you're my strength and my redeemer. Let everybody say, in Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. Clap your hands one more time as you're seated. Don't quit. Just keep climbing. 400 years after the flood, God called a man by the name of Abraham to be the father of many nations. He tells him in Genesis chapter 12 to get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. This difficult command of separation is the initial statement from God to Abraham. He tells him to go to a land that I will show you. No details on where God's initial motive was one of separation. And let me stop for just a minute and let you know that you serve a God that is a God of separation. And he is intentional about this separation. You see, he wants to separate you from your pre-Adamic nature. You see, you were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. And in this state, you won't be able to understand or comprehend or engage with the promise and the plan that God has for you. God wants you to separate from your framing and separate from your last name and separate from the neighborhood that you grew up in. And God wants to separate you from small thinking. God wants you to push away from what used to be and untether from what's always been so that you can engage the promises and the plan of God. But you've got to separate. You've got to get away from old thinking. You've got to get away from old paradigms. You've got to get away from old perspectives because God's going to do something so big in your life that you won't be able to comprehend unless you separate from the place that you've always been. I come to preach to somebody on a Wednesday night and let you know that God's got big things for your life but right now in the state that you're in you won't be able to gauge the promises and the blessings of God he says come out of your kindred come out of your father's house and your country 
You've got to separate from those things that are familiar to you. He's telling Abraham, I want you to disconnect from. I want you to untether from so that you can be able to comprehend and see the plan, the enormous plan that I want to do in your life. But you can't continue to sit in the same place thinking the same thoughts. You've got to get beyond the place that you've always been. you got to understand that with God, all things are possible. I know with us, we've got limitations but you serve a God that's able to do anything if anybody believes what I'm preaching you ought to clap your hands all over this house right so he tells them to separate get away from so that you can be able to see in one place he tells them come out of your tent the reason that you've got to come out of the tent is so that you can get the roof from above your head. So that you can be able to look towards the stars and count them. So you can get to the sand of the seashore and count it. But you've got to get all the things on top of your head that would limit you and that would keep you in the same place that you've always been. But God is wanting to break somebody out tonight. God is wanting to get you out of the place that you've always been and separate you from the house of the familiar and get you to the deep waters of the spirit of God so that he can engage So I got to push away from my family and I got to push away from all of the people that would hold me back from the promises of God, that would hold me back from the blessings of God, that will hold me back from everything that God says that I can have. Because if you stay in the same place, then everything is going to try to keep you at bay and everything is going to try to keep you in the same place that you've always been. And the enemy is going to let you know it's always going to be this way. But the devil is a liar. It's not always going to be this way. Somebody's going to break out tonight. Somebody's going to separate tonight. Somebody's going to engage the promises and the blessings of God. You ought to clap your hands. You ought to shout if you know that God is able to do that in your life. So we, we separate and we renew our minds so we can, we'll be able to think like God thinks. Because God's got plans for you that are bigger than anything that you can even imagine. I was teaching a Bible study one time, and I was just teaching on repentance. And repentance, we all, we all know repentance is it's a turning away from sin. It is a, it is a, it's a 180. If, you, if you're wondering, it's not a 360 because you don't want to go in the same direction you were in. But repentance is a 180. It is a complete about face. It is a turning away from sin. And I was, I was teaching this study and I was teaching that. And also what repentance is, is a complete surrendering of your will. So God started speaking to me in the middle of the Bible study. I, I teach personal Bible studies one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm, I'm teaching this guy, and the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. And this, it, this may be really simple for, for you guys, but this was a big deal for me. And God's speaking to me in the middle of the study. And I'm like, God, if you could, you could just wait till we get done with this study, I will talk to you. <laughs> and so I'm engaging with this guy, but God's dropping stuff in my spirit. And God says, what I want you to do right now is I want you to go to the best life that you can have. I'm like, okay, God. 
I want you to think of the best house and the best car and the best things that you could be doing. I want you to think about that. I said, all right, God, I'll put it in my pocket, and later on I'll pull it out and we'll talk about it. He says, no, right now I want you to engage that. I want you to think about that. Right now I want somebody to think about that. What would your life be if it was the best? So I thought about it. I'm thinking I can do this, and I can go here, and my kids can be this, and, and we can have this. And when I got done with all of the thinking, remember, I'm in the middle of a Bible study. But the Holy Ghost crept in, and he wanted to speak this to me so that I could speak it to you tonight. He told me, he said, when you get to the end of the rope of your imagination, he said, that's where I start. He said, I start where you end. And so you think the best that you can. But his thoughts are above our thoughts. And his ways are above our ways. And there's Bible for that. My God can do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we can ask or think. This may be simple to you. But it gives me hope to think that I can't even think about the best that I can be. Because God's got great things for me. And when you start engaging the promises of God and when you start engaging the blessings of God and the purpose for your life, God will take you further than you've ever been before. God will take you further than your family's ever been. That's why we got to separate. That's why we got to untether from. That's why we got to believe the word of God over everything else. Praise God. I got to move. So he tells Abraham at the age of 75 in Genesis chapter 12, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. So there is a threefold promise, financial blessings, physical blessings, spiritual blessings. And there are promises to Abraham. He tells him he would make him a great nation. He tells him he would abundantly bless him and his family. He tells him that he would bless him with children, as many as the stars. He would make him the father of many nations and make nations and kings out of him. But as we know, there's always something to do. We're entering into a new dispensation. The dispensation, if you would, is a period of time in which God deals with man concerning sin and salvation. And there is a covenant or an agreement. And with a covenant, there's always something to do. This dispensation is called the dispensation of promise. And circumcision was the sign and the command of the day. And it is an everlasting covenant. Without it, you're cut off from God. It's an everlasting covenant between God and Abraham and his heirs with many promised blessings. And all who believed and obeyed the covenant terms could share in the promises and the blessings. Without the sign of the covenant, there would be no promise and there would be no blessing. No one was excluded from participating. Even the lowliest Hebrew, including servants and strangers, were included. And without circumcision, it was impossible to please God. And I want to take the time to tell you today in 2021 that you have to know the time frame in which you live in. 
and the dispensation which you're in and what God expects from you we're living in the dispensation of grace it extends from the day of Pentecost when the new covenant church began and when the full message of grace was first preached until the second coming of our Lord man's approach to God under grace is by death is by burial and by resurrection does anybody believe the gospel in this house We take on his death by repentance. We're buried with him in baptism and we're resurrected with him by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can find the terms of the contract in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter just stood up and let them know that they killed the Messiah and their response in Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and your children and to all those that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call if you never received that promise today is the day if you've never been baptized in Jesus name we can baptize you today and all of your sins will be washed away if you never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues you can do that today today is the day of salvation today is the acceptable time this is the day this is the moment everybody under the sound of my voice needs to walk out of here knowing that you're saved You don't have to leave this place without that promise. It's a gift from God. And you ought to walk out of here with that in your pocket. And when you walk out of here, I'm telling you, everything is going to be different. You're going to be changed. You're never going to look the same. You're never going to act the same. When you start to engage the promise that God gave us, when you get baptized in his name, there's going to be a weight and a load that's lifted off of you. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, there's going to be something on the inside of you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, and you're going to be able to walk in dominion you're going to be able to walk in power you're going to be able to walk in victory does anybody believe what I'm talking about do I have a testimony in the house that says if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side I don't know where I would be anybody thank God for the Holy Ghost today so Abraham and Sarah his wife go, but he neglects the command to leave his family behind and he takes Lot. So they load up all their stuff and they started to move. And the Bible says that they were very rich in cattle and in silver and gold. In fact, Abraham and Lot had so much cattle that they wouldn't be able to stay together in the land. So there was a strife or anger or bitterness or disagreement between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. And Abraham, understanding how to solve the conflict, says, listen, Lot, I don't want there to be strife between you and me, between your people and my people. He says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. But obedience is better than sacrifice. We need to learn how to do it right the first time. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. The Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. 
and was like Egypt. And the Bible says that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. The Jordan Valley is like the land of Egypt, and Egypt is a type of the world. It represents a land without God. And he remembers the trip that they took to Egypt. And one trip changes the rest of his life. And he sees all the beauty, and you don't see the sin, and you don't see the destruction, and you don't see the calamity. You see, we've got to learn how to be obedient in even when it's difficult because the repercussions of disobedience are oftentimes destruction. And there will come a day when God is ready to destroy the place where you chose to dwell and you won't be able to convince your loved ones that the judgment of God is approaching because they have fell in love with Sodom and you escape and your two daughters escape and your wife escapes. But because the love that she had in her heart, she made a decision and she would, she would turn back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. And now Lot has to live life. Hear me today. Lot has to live life based on the decision that he made before he can even understand the downline consequences. That's why you got to be careful where you go. That's why you got to be careful what you do. That's why you got to be careful who you spend your time with. That's why you got to be careful who you prop up in your life. That's why you got to be careful, young people. You can't spend time with everybody. I know you want to be cool. I know you want to hang out. But you got to get to the house of God and get you some godly apostolic fellowship. You got to be careful where you go. You got to be careful what you do. You got to be careful what you love because what you love, your children will love. You've got to be so careful where you tread your foot. You've got to be so careful because you will make some of the biggest decisions of your life oftentimes before you can fully comprehend the consequences of those decisions. And these are the effects of one trip to Egypt. On that trip to Egypt, Abraham and Sarah pick up a maidservant by the name of Hagar because when you go to Egypt, you always bring something back. And Abraham and Sarah, impatient with the plan of God. Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. I know you don't see it, but you just got to trust my plan. In your old age, I'm going to give you a son. And it seems like an impossible situation. And Sarah was still childless. And so they take matters in their own hands. And a relationship between Abraham and Hagar produces an Ishmael. And Ishmael, because he was the seed of Abraham, is blessed too. And Ishmael produces Islam, which produces the Arab nations, the fiercest enemy of the people of Israel in modern times. That's why you got to be careful where you go. Because you will bring something back that will war against the promise of God in your life. And Abraham tries to give God Ishmael as the promised child. But God doesn't accept Ishmael because he's a byproduct of disobedience. And God reiterates his plan that the child will come from you, from Abraham and Sarah. Over and over, God kept reminding them of his promise. And Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65 when they first got word of the promise and the clock was ticking. And they were well past the age and year after year. Abraham and Sarah even laugh at the situation, but God's promises are true. If God gave you a word, you can take it to the bank. If the man of God speaks in your life, you can rest assured that it's going to come to pass. Somebody clap your hands if you believe that right now. 
Abraham and Sarah have the promised child Isaac at 100 and at 90 years old. The child that they prayed for, the child that they waited on, the miracle child was finally here and now blessed, happy, content, and just enjoying life. And all of a sudden, God steps in and tells Abraham some of the worst news that he's ever heard. Genesis chapter 22, back in our text, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. It gives him the biggest test of his life. After 25 years of waiting because God delayed his birth. But it's not until you're deprived of something that you truly understand its value. And God asked him for the most precious thing in his life. Stay with me, we're going somewhere. He asked him for the most precious thing in his life. But you see, there's always going to be a test. Deuteronomy chapter 13 says, The Lord your God proveth you to see if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. God wants to know if you love him. But he also wants you to know that you love him. So the Bible says that Abraham rises up early in the morning. He seems like a smart guy. I'm sure he didn't tell his wife. Hey, babe, I'm going to go and sacrifice. Yeah, you're going to do what? You're going to sit down right here on this couch. <laughs> Praise God. And he takes Isaac and two of his young men with him. They make their way. The Bible says that it's a three-day journey. And I can't even imagine what was going through his mind. God, this is the promised child. After 25 years of waiting, years of anticipation, waiting on the promise that you told me we were going to have. I love this child. God, what are you doing? God, what are you thinking? God, what's going through your mind? God, how am I going to get out of this situation? And God is so good about leaving out some of the details. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He tells him to go to one of the mountains that I will tell you of. You see, you don't get to choose your mountain. Let's just be honest. If it's me, God said go to one of the mountains. I'm trying to find the smallest mountain to climb. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. He said go to one of the mountains that I will tell you of because God knows which mountain that you need to climb. He knows which mountain that he needs to send you to in order for you to be able to manifest the promises and the blessings that he sends you to. And Abraham's got to make the trip up whichever mountain God chooses for him. And oftentimes God shows you the mountain top without a clear view of the mountain. <coughs> Joseph, your brothers are going to bow down to you. He leaves out all the details about the pit. He leaves out the details about Potiphar's house. He leaves out the details about the prison. But Joseph, you're going to stand in a place of authority. Your brothers are going to bow down to you. Everything's going to be great. 
But the truth of the matter is that God told you everything that you had to go through in order to be who he's called you to be, you wouldn't go. It's, it's the lover behind the lattice. It's revealing and concealing. It's, it's, it's the moment where God knows exactly what he wants to do in your life, but he can't tell you because you won't follow through with the plan that God set up for you. So you've got to get to the mountain. You've got to get to whichever mountain he chooses for you, but God won't show you the full picture. Because we like to think that the plan of God is a straight shot. plan of God you're gonna you're gonna be here okay God let's go there and then you find yourself walking this way it's like God you said that the plan of God was here and Joseph is in the pit and he's so far away from the dream and Joseph is in Potiphar's house and he's so far away from the dream that God had given him and Joseph is in prison but he's so far away I'm sitting in a jail cell and I don't know how it's gonna work out but if God gave you a word you gotta rest assured baby that it's gonna come to pass that's why you got to study your Bible here's the deal Joseph had to be separated like we talked about at the beginning in the pit I have to pull you away from everything that you've known and I got to separate you in this pit. And he can't see what God is doing in this moment. But God is doing something each step of the way. So he separates him in the pit. And then he goes to Potiphar's house. And you know what he learns? In Potiphar's house, he learned finance. He learned how to take care of things. He learned restraint. And then when he went to the prison, he learned how to lead. In all three of these stages... He needed each and every test, each and every battle, each and every circumstance in order to stand in the palace. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're going through a difficult season. You're going through a difficult trial. But I'm telling you, every step of the way, you just got to stay faithful to the plan of God. You just got to stay faithful to the word that God gave you. You just got to stay faithful to the dream. You got to bring out the dream. And you've got to remember what God said to you when you're sitting in the pit. You got to remember the dream when you're sitting in Potiphar's house. You got to remember the dream when you're sitting in a jail cell you've got to remember the dream and he's in this prison and the bible says talks about how he was the leader of the prison and he had control over everything that was happening in the prison i'm just a simple man and i just think about things like this and I just think about maybe them keys were sitting somewhere in the prison. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think Joseph probably had access to the keys to the prison. But if he goes and he aborts the process, if he goes and he pulls himself out of the situation, if he says, I can't take this anymore, he's never going to be able to stand in the palace. And so you've got to understand the trials and the tribulations and the circumstances that we go through are not meant to break you, but it's meant to build you. It's meant to create some tenacity in you. It's meant to create, my God, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You're going through a trial. You're going through a tough time, but God's building something in you right now. 
And so Joseph refuses to pull himself out of the trial, to pull himself out of the situation. And the one time that he does, he tells them when the butler and the baker come in, when he interprets the dreams, he tells them, remember me when you get back to the palace. And seven years go by. And he's still sitting there because God knows exactly when you've learned what you needed to learn in order to stand in the place that he's called you to stand in. And all of a sudden comes to the mind of the man. Pharaoh has a dream and now it's time because God's timing is perfect. That's something that you got to understand that God has perfect timing that we can't do it. If we did it, we would do it prematurely or we'll be too late. But we serve a God that is always on time. We we serve a God that knows he knows when to pull you out and so right on time he comes back he says I know a man and he goes and get him right on time because there's some things that you've got to learn on the mountaintop somebody ain't saying amen clap your hands on I'm moving. So he gets to the base of the mountain and he tells the two young men to stay because everybody, hear me today, everybody can't make the climb with you. Some mountains are meant to be conquered alone. There's some moments of isolation. There's some times in the pit. There's some times where you've got to be all by yourself. And I know you think everything is closing up on you, but God is just trying to build something on the inside of you. It's some moments where it's just you and God. And he says, me and Isaac are going to worship. But he was asked for sacrifice, but he sees it as worship. Victor Franco said it this way, when suffering finds meaning, it ceases to be suffering. I don't come to church because it's my sacrifice. I come to church because I love him. And you've got to get to a place where you don't just come to church to see what God can give you, but you come to church because you love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. You've got to come to the house of God because God is worthy of the praise. God is worthy of the adoration. God is worthy of the glory. And Abraham and Isaac load up the instruments of sacrifice, the wood, the knife, the fire. And Isaac knew this process well. He understood what was needed. And Isaac says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham answers, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And the Bible says that they make their way up the mountain. You see, everybody wants to talk about the mountaintop, but nobody wants to climb. I want to preach about the climb today. We like to preach about the provision of the Lord, and we will before we leave. We like to preach the ram caught in the thicket, and we're going to preach that too. But we've got to understand that in order to preach the provision of the Lord, and in order to preach the ram caught in the thicket, somebody's got to make the climb. It's the grudge of climbing up the mountain it's tough, it's lonely, it's not fun. It's the grind of the process. 
It's the threshing floor. It's the potter's wheel. I've come to tell somebody in this house, I know you're going through some trials. I know you're going through some tribulations, but don't you quit today. You got to keep on climbing. You got to keep on making your way up the mountain of God. Provision is at the top of the mountain, but you got to make the climb. God's creating something in you. God's building something in you. We like to say God's able to move this mountain, and God can move this mountain. But some mountains are not meant to be moved. They're meant to be climbed. You got to get that in your spirit and understand that God knows exactly what he's doing. And because you're on this mountain, God's going to give you the strength to make it another day. I'm here to preach a simple message. I came 191 miles just to tell you this. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. You got to keep on climbing. God's got something for you, but you got to make the climb. You got to climb the mountain. You got to enjoy the process. You got to endure the threshing floor. You've got to endure the potter's wheel. I know this is difficult preaching, but I'm giving you hope today. God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. You've got to keep on climbing. Don't you quit, saint of God. Don't you give up today. God's going to make it happen. to preach to somebody that you thought about giving up. I'm here to preach to somebody that you thought this was your last season and last roundabout but I'm here to tell you today that God sent a preacher on a Wednesday night just to let you know don't you give up don't you give in don't you, don't you throw in the towel God's going to make it work God's going to make it happen don't you quit today you've got to make the difficult because there's so much pressure and it's lonely on the mountainside of God and you think that God has forgot about you and you think that God doesn't know where you are and you get down on your knees to pray and you don't hear your prayer answered and you go another day and you get down on your knees to pray and you're wondering if God knows where you are, if God can hear you in your distress, if God can hear you in your circumstance, if God can see you on the mountainside where you're struggling. But God is there every step of the way. Job said it this way. He says, I looked to the east, and I couldn't find God. I looked to the west, and I couldn't find God. I looked before me, and I looked behind me, and I couldn't find God. And then the scripture changes, and he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. I'm here to tell you that you serve a God whose arm is not short that he can't reach, and his ear is not full that he can't hear. Every time you pray, God knows where you are, but he has to have you on the mountainside for a little while so he can build something on the inside of you, so you can stand in the palace, so you can stand in your purpose, so you can stand in your calling, so you can stand in your ministry. Don't quit today. Don't give up today. 
don't give in today. Somebody needs to get an enduring spirit in your heart today. Somebody's got to fight the good fight. Somebody's got to keep on pressing. Somebody's got to keep on going. Somebody's got to go one more time to the prayer room. you got to be like the lady with the unjust judge who continues to knock at the door that won't take no for an answer. you got to say, God, I'm going to come back again today. God, I know you didn't answer the door, but I'm here again. God, I'm going to drive you crazy. knocking at the door because if you walk away and abort the process you won't be there when the man opens the door for you and so I got to hold my post and I got to keep climbing and I've got to keep knocking and I've got to keep asking God to do the thing that he said he was going to do God I know you said it and I believe your word God I know you said it and I believe your word God I'm going to show up to the church one more time and pray God I'm going to get down on my knees one more time preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now I'm telling you the sleepless nights full of tears that you've been enduring I'm telling you you're not doing that by yourself but God takes all of those tears and he bottles them up I'm here to preach to somebody and let you know that God keeps good books He's writing it down. This is my faithful servant. This is my servant who just continues to keep on knocking. This is my faithful servant that's going to keep on climbing. He's not going to give up when the going goes, goes gets tough. The tough gets going. You've got to get an attitude like that. That when everything starts to come up against you, I'm going to rise up with the tenacity in my spirit. And I'm going to endure for another day. And I'm going to go another day. And I'm just going to wake up in the morning. And I'm going to say blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be the name of the Lord you gotta get some grit you gotta get some tenacity adversity is what introduces a man to himself you got to go through some things. I'm here preaching to you, and I'm not diminishing any situation, but I'm here to tell you that God is in the middle of your situation. But God is more interested, hear me today, God is more interested in building character in you than pulling you out of your current distress. It's an emergency to you, but it's not an emergency to God. That is not insensitive. I'm here to preach to you that God has a purpose and a plan for you. And you need to go through some things sometimes. You need some adversity sometimes. You need some tension in your life so that you can know I got to lay completely on God. I can't do it by myself. God, I need you to help me to keep climbing. I'm here to preach to you today. God's going to give you the strength. God's going to give you the wherewithal. God's going to give you the fortitude. You can make it another day. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on climbing. Keep on climbing. Just one day after another day. And you'll look back and watch the progress that you've made. You've come too far to give up now. Don't you walk away. 
Don't you even think about leaving the church? It is the church that even has you in the place that you're in. Any blessing and things that you have in your life, your children, your family, everything that God has given you is because of the house of God. God gave you sanity. God gave you, he gave you joy. He gave you peace. You've got to start to think about the things of God sometimes and think. wake up and say, God, thank you for my family. How about trying that? God, thank you for my wife that you've given me. God, thank you for the beautiful babies that you blessed me with. God, thank you for a roof over my head. God, thank you for clothes on my back. God, thank you for a right mind. God, thank you for everything that you've done. So when I think of the goodness and all that he's done for me, how can I complain? I just got to keep on climbing. I got to keep making the trip. Here's the misconception. The misconception of mountain climbing, excuse me, is that all the good stuff is at the top of the mountain. That's not true. One man said it this way. He said, you take an occasional glance at the peak of the mountain. He said, but don't you dare miss all of the views from each vantage point. Say it again for the people in the back. He said, you take an occasional glance at the goal, the peak of the mountain, the top of the mountain, because that's where we're going. He said, you take an occasional glance up, up there. But he said, don't you dare miss the views from each vantage point. What am I preaching to you today? I'm telling you that you got to learn how to praise God right where you are. You got to learn how on your mountain with God. You got to learn how to take time and stop for just a minute and look out and thank God for his goodness and his mercy. And you got to start looking out over the horizon and saying, my God, the sky is beautiful today. My God, I've got... You got to look around sometimes. I dare you today in your trial, in your circumstance, in your adversity, look around at all of the blessings that God has given you. And when you start to look around on the vista that you're currently on, you're going to be able to see God in a better way. And when you make another step, baby, I know it's difficult, but now I can see clearly and I can see God in a better way. And God's given me revelation and God... And there's, a, there's revelation that comes from being on the mountaintop. And there is a testimony of the mountain. Can I preach this for just a minute? There's a testimony on the mountain. That's why you got to come to the house of God. As a young man, you come to the house of God and you hook up with somebody that's climbed some mountains before. You come to the house of God and you hook up with some people that's way down the road a little bit, that's lived life just a little bit, and you start talking to them about the mountain that you're on. Because let me tell you this, you're not the first person to climb that mountain. Somebody else has done it, somebody else has conquered it, and you got to get the testimony that they have from climbing the mountain. Somebody walked in the house of God, they were strung out on drugs, but God set them free. That gives me hope, that gives me strength to know that if if I'm addicted to drugs, I can be set free. Yeah. 
And so you start building relationships. I'm going to give you some advice that's going to take you a long way. Build relationships with people that are older than you. Sometimes you got to step out of the youth group. I'm 32 years old. I got friends that are 70 and 80 years old in my church. The guy that helped build my church. And you know what I do? And you need to try this too. I say, Brother Corey, let me take you to lunch. And what you got to learn how to do, young person, is stop talking and just listen. I got so much to learn. I'm green. I'm brand new. I'm still trying to figure this thing out. So I go and sit down with an elder that's a couple clicks down the road from me that's been through some trials, that's been through some tribulations, that's walked this thing out consistently for a long time. And I say, Brother Corey, why don't you tell me your testimony? I need to hear how you made it through. And what happens is, let me give you the visual because we're preaching this message. What happens is, we're standing at this mountain that I've got to climb. And Brother Corey comes up on the side of me and he stands there and he says, young man, you're going to have a lot of trouble trying to do it the way that you're doing it. Let me tell you the testimony of this mountain that you're struggling with. Maybe if you take a couple steps to the right and climb up on that rock right there, you're going to make it over because that's how I made it over. And that's what happens when you get the testimony of the mountain. I know it's difficult and I know it's rough, but I'm here to tell you that somebody has already been through it. You got to hook up with an elder and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. And they're going to say, son, you're going to make it. Young lady, you're going to make it. If I can make it, you can make it too. I'm going to give you some tricks of the trade. And I'm going to let you know that if I can come out, you can come out too. If God can do it for me, God. I can do it for you. So you sit down and you, you just listen. Because they forgot more than you've learned. I realize that as a young preacher, I need older preachers that's been doing this for a little while to sit me down sometimes and let me know some things about the scripture that I've never learned before that doesn't just come by observation but that comes by revelation. Somebody said it like this. A, a conversation with a wise man is worth years of study. And so you get somebody and you say, just tell me the story again. Just tell me the testimony again. I need to know that I can make it. I'm struggling on this mountain, but I need somebody, excuse me, I need somebody to let me know that I can go another day. Because here's the truth of the matter, is that we go from mountain to mountain. I'm not trying to scare you from walking this walk. I'm just here to tell you that it's not going to be easy. But if you endure to the end, if you make it all the way, you're going to be able to tell some beautiful stories. You're going to be able to tell your grandbabies, I was in this church. I was living for God. We saw great revival, but I want to see God do something greater in your generation than he did in mine. And you got to get an attitude and say, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. I want to be I want to be in the house when I'm 80 years old. I want to be in the house if God tarries and I'm 100 years old. And I want to help somebody else. I want to tell my testimony of every mountain that God has allowed me to climb. 
don't quit. Don't ever forget these words. Don't quit. The easiest thing is to push the button that says, I want to be out of this situation. But hang in just a little while longer. God's going to work everything out and God is building something so beautiful in you, you can't even understand or comprehend what he's doing and I know it's difficult, but I'm telling you, the toughest battles come with the most beautiful results and when God gives you the battle you just got to walk it out and you just got to keep on climbing, you got to take it one step at a time, you got to say God, I know it's difficult right now I know I'm going through a trial right now God, but I won't quit, I won't give up, I won't give in, I got to keep on climbing. Here's the truth. Is that you got to learn how to just keep climbing. Because this is what I believe. I don't know. We don't have biblical truth for this. But can I just talk about it in my way and how I see the word? And your pastor can straighten it all out and let you know exactly what it is. We never see... Jehovah Jireh and we never see the ram caught in the thicket or we never see the provision of the Lord if we don't make the climb because I believe at the same time you're climbing up one side God's sending a ram on the other side and you know what the ram was going to be there whether you were there or not you know who get to see it the sunshine the birds and sometimes I wish that the birds would come and talk in our ears sometimes and let us know if we make the climb. God had everything that you needed at the top of this mountain. Chirp, chirp. I'm preaching to somebody right now and letting you know that God's got provision at the top of the mountain. Provision is on the way. There's a ram caught in the thicket. You can rest assured that God is going to work it out and God is going to do his part. But here's the caveat. We got to make the climb. Through the adversity, through the pain, through every situation, I got to make my way to the top of this mountain so I can see the provision of the Lord, so I can see the ram caught in the thicket, so I can see the beautiful thing that God wants to show me at the top of this mountain. There's a reason that he wanted the man Abraham to come to the top of the mountain, and it wasn't just to see if he was willing to do it, but he wanted to show Abraham that I'm in control of everything about this situation, and whenever I give you a word, it's going to come to pass, but you got to make the climb. Don't you quit today, saint of God. Don't you quit today, single mom. Don't you quit today, person on the pew, young person. You've got to keep on fighting. You've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on making the climb. There's a ram caught in the thicket. The provision of the Lord is on the way. God's already making a way and you can't even see it. He's doing some things behind the scenes and he's setting up your life in the way that it needs to happen but you just got to make the climb. Does anybody hear me in the Holy Ghost today? Clap your hands all over this house. Musicians can come right now.
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. The Bible says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And there is a clear parallel. Abraham's only begotten son and Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the father. And there was a mountain that Christ had to conquer. The Bible says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. A mountain that he had been thinking about before the foundation of the world. Before you ever sinned. God had a remedy. God had an image of a man on a hill, on a cross. So Christ looked down to find a man that would stand in the gap and that would die for the sins of the world, but he couldn't find one. So the Almighty robed himself in flesh and lived his life as a sinless man, and he found himself at a garden called Gethsemane. You can play softly. He found himself at a garden called Gethsemane and he was going to pray and he wanted his disciples to pray with him and he would begin to pray and they would fall asleep and he would wake them up. He says, pray with me and they go back to sleep and the third time he says, I want you to pray with me. Can you not pray but one hour and they would go back to sleep and he said, you know what? I'm just going to pray. And he prays this prayer. He says, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And I believe in that moment he shakes himself. And he realizes, nevertheless, not thy will, but, but not my will, but thy will be done. And he probably thought, there's a mountain that I've got to climb. And the soldiers come and they seize him. And Peter cuts off the ear of the soldier Malchus. And Jesus says, hold your peace. Slow down, Peter, chill. And he puts the ear back on. And he says, you don't understand, Peter. There's a mountain that I've got to climb. And they take him to the high priest and they start to question him. But he doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't speak for himself. And they didn't understand. Why don't you speak for yourself? Don't you realize that I have the power to either keep you or the power to release you? He says, you don't have any power except my Father in heaven given. But you don't understand. There's a mountain that I've got to climb. And they take him down the Via Dolorosa. And they split open his back with the cat of nine tails. My Savior, Jesus, a sinless man who had no business being beating and taken captive. And if I can put myself in the narrative, I'm standing in the back of the room and I'm holding up my hand and I'm saying, please don't crucify Jesus. He's a sinless man. Take me. I'm a wreck. I'm a sinner. I'm the person that deserves death. But I guarantee he would say, Hold your peace. There's a mountain that I've got to climb. And they get to Golgotha and they make their way. And he's standing at the base of this hill. The same hill that he's seen time and time again. And he gets up on that cross. And he dies for you and for me.
Brother Austin, this is what I love about Jesus so much. I love the fact that Jesus would never ask me to do something he wouldn't do for himself. That's the type of God you serve. He said, I can't quit. I can't give up. I've got a world to save. I've got to keep on climbing. Stand with me all over this building right now. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you're at your wit's end and that you feel like life is crashing down on you and you feel like you've been climbing for a long time and there hasn't been any relief, any help, but God has left you high and dry. God sent you a word today. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. Now is not a time to throw in the towel, but it's time for the people of God to have endurance and have tenacity and make a declaration today that I won't quit, but I'm going to keep on climbing. These altars are open right now. I want somebody to come right now. I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to make a declaration to God that you're going to find me here, God that I'm not going to give up, that I'm not going to give in, that God, you're going to find me here come Sunday morning. You're going to find me here come Sunday night. If we have prayer service, God, I'm going to show up. God, I don't know when you're going to answer the call. God, I don't know when you're going to answer my prayer. But God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to endure to the end. I'm going to keep on climbing. Somebody lift up your voice all over this house right now. Somebody cry out to God and let him know that you're going to be here. That you won't give up. That you won't give in. But that you'll keep on climbing. somebody lift up your voice right now come on somebody you've come too far to give up now God's not going to leave you God knows exactly where you are but you've got to keep on fighting you've got to keep on climbing God's with you every step of the way God's giving you the strength right now. God's giving you the wherewithal. God's giving you the fortitude to make it another day. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it another day. Come on, somebody pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Make a declaration right now. Make a vow. Make a commitment to God. I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't give up today.
Hallelujah. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you for a moment. Take some time and pray one for another. Encourage one another. Amen. Find somebody to pray with. Your prayer makes a difference. Lord, in Jesus' name, bless my brothers and sisters tonight. God, give us a tenacity. A de a, give us a determination, oh God. Give us a ferocity in our fight to serve you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, help us to make up our mind and determine we're not quitting, we're not giving up. I may not climb fast, but I'm going to keep climbing. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to quit. I'm not turning around. I'm not giving up. Oh God, I pray, Lord, touch my brothers and sisters that are in struggle, in trial, and tribulation. I pray, God, let your mercy and grace minister help and healing to them. God, let this word be a be a, a, a encouragement to their soul. Faith comes by hearing. Let it build their faith, oh God. In the name of Jesus, can you lift your hands to heaven and thank him that he spoke to you when you needed him? Can you thank him that he spoke to you right when you needed him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise tonight and worship him. God, we praise you. We worship you. God, we glorify you. Amen. Sunday's going to be a great day. Amen. Come bring somebody. Encourage somebody to come. Let's let the Holy Ghost move. Let's have Holy Ghost revival. Amen. One more time. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise and worship him. And you can be dismissed in the name of the Lord.